But you know how we are. A person who you know is already having evil towards you at work. What do you want to do? Distance yourself from them. If you see them coming one direction, you want to go in, in another direction. We do it in our homes with our spouses. When everything is hunky-dory and, you know, everything is great, you know, we're loving each other and we're talking and everything is going good. And then she says something or he says something that I don't like, doesn't quite give me my respect, my place of honor in the home. And something just turns in me. And I don't want to talk to you anymore now. Jesus Christ was aware that the one who was going to betray him was in the room. But I'll tell you what's more significant, to me anyways. Judas Iscariot, maybe more than any one of us in this room, he had the best teacher anyone can ever get. I bet to say Judas Iscariot saw more power than anybody in this room did. I would bet my life that Judas Iscariot had the best cell group that they could ever be. Yeah, Judas Iscariot had the best teacher that, could, that has ever lived. Judas Iscariot had, as far as training goes, as far as inputting and depositing something in a man, it doesn't come any better than Judas Iscariot had it. In fact, if you really want to check it out, Judas Iscariot not only received training, but Judas Iscariot also output the kind of thing that will make you say that this was a really good disciple because the Bible tells us Jesus sent him out two by two and we saw that there was power that was manifesting through all of the disciples. He knew Jesus in a way that you would want to know Jesus today. It's, a, it's, it's my envy when you, when you look at this guy. Yet... In spite of this, Jesus said, all you have done is you have received me as your teacher, but not as your Lord. I've been with you all this time. I've taught you. I've deposited in you. I've trained you. I've sent you out. You have seen the power of God. But you have, you, you have not received me as your Lord. So Jesus says, I'm about to demonstrate to you real and true love. I'm about to show you that it's more than words. It's not just lip service. And so I ask you this morning, that as you come into this place, you should look in your own life. Maybe you know the word of God. Maybe you're sound in doctrine. Maybe even there's powers and miracles happening through you. The question is, are you being changed? Is God becoming incarnate in you? Is the word taking on flesh in you? Are you being changed? And if you're bold enough, ask people who are close to you. Ask your spouse. Ask your children. I think it was John Maxwell who said that success, real success, is that the people who are closest to you love and respect you the most. Why? Because they know you the best. I can come here and show out and show forth. If you really want to know who I am, you check with my wife and you check with my children. They're the ones who see me every single day. Amen? 
So here is a question for you. Are you really being changed? That's the first lesson I want you to learn. I want you to see. The second lesson I want you to see is the humility of Jesus. Jesus served this man in spite of who he was. Please do not forget that he is God. In spite of the fact that he recognizes that he is the king overall, that he is the most powerful being that has ever lived, his humility led him to serve his disciples. The next thing I want you to see is the endurance of Jesus. And I really, as I was just thinking about this and meditating on this, this really strikes me. What do I mean by the endurance of Jesus? So let's go back to John chapter 13 because I, I really want you to see this very clearly. John chapter 13. Okay. So let's see around what time this is going on. This is the night before Jesus Christ was going to be crucified. Right? The, 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 his current reality is one of this, this desperate... How more overwhelming can your situation be? He was fully aware that he was about to go die a really painful and miserable death. I mean, just not knowing where the rent is going to come sometimes can mess your whole day up. Am I lying? You know, your face would already betray your difficulty. And the person who comes into your house just knows that he's in the place at the wrong time to be in my house because I'm dealing with some stuff right now that you're not even aware of. What presence of mind do you have to have to have to face that, to know that you're about to go die a really gruesome death and you have such presence of mind that you want to serve the needs of the people who are around you? Jesus is saying this is the love to which he's calling us. This is the future of love. That even though my needs are greater than yours, you couldn't even tell because of how I'm serving you. You think there's absolutely not, nothing going on in my life. No one could possibly, if you knew what I was going through, you would feel bad that you asked me for help. Jesus was about to go to die. And yet he had the presence of mind to be mindful of the needs of his disciples that his need was not even that significant to him. Again, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I want you to know that your God, the Bible says that he has written you, he has engraved you in the palm of his hand. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your situation is, whatever your difficulty is, I'm telling you, God is not so busy. Because when he was faced with what you would think should completely preoccupy him, 
when he was faced with in a time when you think I should not be knocking on the door of his heart right now. I should be looking for a way to comfort him. I should be finding some way to give him succor. I should be encouraging him now. I should be speaking words of, of, that will bring him encouragement. He is looking at your need. You want to know how much Jesus loves you? That's how much he loves you. As we're singing this morning, we're singing... And the song says, it's all about you. And it's true, it's all about him. But I, 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 I think God, Jesus wants me to tell you that it's all about him. But he, he, about who it's all about, wants you to know that he is saying to you, it's all about you. He is making it all about you. He's making it all about me. Because in this very hour, in the time of his greatest need, he puts away, he puts aside his own very need. Do you know what it means to wash the feet in that day and time? Let me tell you about it. So washing the feet of servants in that day and time was a very common custom. So you, people go out and when they come to visit in a house, they take off their sandals and their feet will be washed as they will come into the house. However, it was such a lowly task, such a small thing in the mind of the people who lived in that day and time that the rabbi, in fact, commanded that if you were Jewish servant, you could not wash feet. That's how lowly it was. That it was only Gentile servants that were allowed to do this particular task. That's why Peter said to him, what are you about to do? That's why Peter was that vehement. Look at, look at the scripture. Peter says, hey, you're not going to wash my feet. Pastor Bank is going to wash my feet. I mean, that's the most uncomfortable thing. Peter says, absolutely no, you're not going to wash my feet. That's why he said, no, don't wash my feet. And of course, you know, God, Jesus says to him, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. If I don't wash your feet, if you don't allow me to do this to you, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's fine. If I don't do this to you, you're not going to be able to do it. And so you will not have a part in me. You cannot be a part of this company. You cannot have an inheritance in this company. Though you preach Paul says, even if I have, let's go there, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I don't want to misquote it, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is important that you see this. This is all the all important chapter on love. I have iPad 1. iPad, the first generation. Do you know that the operating system that just came out is not even available for iPad 1 any longer? It's not cooperating with me. If you have 1 Corinthians chapter 13, would you please just put it up on the screen for me?
1 Corinthians chapter 13. Okay. Wow. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's what the scripture says. Gain like Judas is carried. You have power. You're speaking scripture. You're preaching good. But at home, you're a horrible father. If I don't wash your feet, Jesus says, you have no part of me. You cannot be a part of the generation that we're talking about. The endurance of Jesus. Jesus has you today written on the tab tablet of his hand. That should give you encouragement. To know that whatever you're going through, if you would just press in and press on and stand and go before God, that he's not so busy that he's not going to listen to you. He says, I have engraved you, I have inscribed you, I have, your name is written on the palm of my hands. What about the forgiveness and the patience of Jesus? I just don't know how he will include Judas in the people in whose, in whose feet he will be washing. Quite frankly, I mean, that just, that just messes me up. Maybe it's because, <laughs> maybe it's because I still struggle in my own frailty and I know how I deal with my own wife who is fortunately not here this morning. <laughs> to hear me say this. But when I consider how really difficult it is for me every now and then, in my response to my own spouse, who I say that I love until death do us part, I can't fathom how Jesus Christ will have gone to Judas' feet. What was going on in his mind when he was washing Judas' feet? I'm going to wash your feet, dude. But just one of them. Hey, Peter, why don't you come wash this guy's feet? Because I, he's no good. Maybe you should let somebody else wash his feet. Maybe he should wash the feet of about nine of them or about six of them and say, well, you know, that was just his example. I'm just showing you as an example what I'm about to do. That's what I would have done. You know, I wash about five. I say, you get it now, right? I've done you. I've done the first, the second. So you all get it? That's how to do it. How do you proceed to genuinely, sincerely, knowing that this man has been with you three years, eating in your house, used your appliances, you paid the school fees for his children when he struggled to pay them. And he's not, not even paid you back. He's talking behind your back. And you know it. And now you have a chance to wash his feet. And we're going to get into what it means to be washing someone's feet in a minute. I just, I don't know how you do that. And so when I see and I read stuff like that, I just bow in the worship of my Lord. I just give him, I, that's why my heart just melts when I think about the goodness of God. What a good God he is. 
What a truly beautiful, beautiful, pure love he has for me. And you will see as we progress that if you have this, if, you, if your heart is full of this, oh, you can do anything. You can do anything. The endurance of Jesus, the forgiveness and the patience of Jesus washed everyone's feet and served them in spite of who they are. So you saw that Jesus have served them in spite of who he is, the king of all, but he also served them in spite of who they are, as represented by Judas Iscariot. You know, every now and then, let me just say this. You see someone do something, something really horrible. And sometimes, you know, we shake and we go, wow, that is terrible what he has done. What you're really saying is, there's no way I could do that. There's no chance I would do something like that. No chance I would take a gun and go shoot my own mother. No chance because some girl said no to me that I'll take a gun and go to a college and actually shoot women that I don't know. There is no chance I would do that. Oh, you lie. Because every time you see something like that happen, I want you to know that that evil and that wickedness that you've seen is really talking about the wickedness of humanity, what the heart of man is capable of doing. And if you think for one second that you have escaped that or that you are incapable of doing that, you already missed the boat. The Bible says your heart is wicked. Not, so, not just wicked, desperately so. And if you don't daily pay attention to yourself, by the time you recognize it, you'll be far gone. So practically speaking, what are we talking about? Let's dig into this very quickly. When I talk about washing feet, to me, it isn't, this kind of love is not just tolerant kind of love. It's not a love where we tolerate each other. You know, because I love my daughters very deeply, there are things in them now that I cannot tolerate. You know what I'm talking about, Renee? The more you love a person, the less you're able to tolerate foolishness in them. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm serious. If I, if I don't love you, if I'm distant from you, if I don't know you that much, I couldn't care that much how you live your life. I can tolerate you. I maybe say a word of prayer for you when I hear that you're messing around and messing up. If my daughter does it, totally different ball game. So this is not tolerating kind of love that we're talking about here, washing our feet. And Jesus tells us love is washing feet. I tell you something else is not. It's not the kind of love that, you know, it's not, it's not the romanticized love that we have in our minds. What do I mean by that? It's, it's sometimes we romanticize love by you see a person and you like them or you like what they have become and you become attracted to them. So it's not really that you love them. It is their success that you're attracted to. That's not what washing feet is. I'll tell you what it is not. Washing feet is not long distance love. That's really important you get that. I dated my wife about two years before we got married. Now I was in Nigeria and she was in the United States. Now I'm telling you right now, don't do it. 
<laughs> Young men, I'm just telling you, long distance doesn't work. Do not do it. But real love, the love Jesus is telling us about, cannot be long distance. What is it? It's engaging. I can't wash your feet from there. If I'm going to wash your feet, I have to come close to you. I have to physically touch you. I got to be this close to you. You can't love me from afar. Time out. The future of love. The current love of Jesus Christ says it's up close and personal. Pastor Anne Marie. Don't tell me you love me and you're not concerned that you haven't seen me. Don't tell me that you love me next Sunday when you see me if I've not been here in five weeks. You all know Dr. Nafiok? He sits right there. Constantly. That seat bears his name. If you go and sit there, you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> the seat may reject you. I mean, that's, that's how fused Stephen and Afiok and the seat are. I don't even know how many of us know that he's not been around in the, in the, in the past one. How many weeks? Is okay, all right, so you love him. But that's how that love works. It's up close and personal. And if you've not called him, may I encourage you after service today, pick up your phone and give him a call. Send him a text message. I just want you to know that I love you, that I'm thinking about you. Maybe you're at work and, and, and God brings someone to your mind at that moment. Stop what you're doing. Send him a text message. I'm just thinking about you. Don't even know why. That's what this love is. That's the future of love. That's washing your brother's feet. Don't wait until later because then you forget and be distracted by the other things that you're doing. So this love is not just being tolerant. This love is not romanticized love. This love is up close and personal. This love is engaging. I'll tell you something as it's not. This, you know, the thing that we call love in many cases is really hunger. Let me say that again. I said the thing that we call love very often is really just hunger. So what do I mean? So think about a fruit tree. When you see a beautiful fruit tree and you go before the beautiful fruit tree when you're already full, you're not hungry. The way you look at the tree is you look at its beauty. You say, wow, this is a really, really nice tree. You can see all of the leaves and you can see its trunk. And you see how it's fruiting. And you can adorn the tree for the tree. If you're really hungry though. And you see a beautiful fruit tree. You just rip it apart. I mean you rip into it. You commoditize the tree. And very often that's the kind of love that we show each other. I'm a tree. I'm a fruit tree. You love me 
because of what I might be able to give you. Who do you really love? You love you. You don't love me. You love you so much you will use me to express your love to yourself. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm your commodity. You don't love me for me. And that's, I think, where most people are, unfortunately. Because we're really hungry. And we're looking to satisfy the hunger with the things that cannot satisfy. So we look everywhere but in a place where we should look. And we continue to use each other. Husbands using their wives. Wives using their husbands. Parents using their children. Children using their parents. And so forth and so on. The future of love says time out for that. Let me show you how you receive this love. So that you don't commoditize your brother and your sister. Let me show you how to act, activate and cultivate this love. Love is washing feet. When Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter says, you can't wash me. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. Peter says, okay, all right, don't just wash my feet then. Wash my hands, wash my head, wash everything. So Jesus says, no, if you're bathed, if you're already bathed, you don't need to be washed. Let me just say this so I can get it out of the way. What does being bathed mean? That means if you want to bring it to here and now, if you're born again, and by the way, if you're not born again yet, can I extend that to you this morning? If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have never said at any point in your life, Jesus, I want you to not just be my teacher, I want you to be my Lord. If you've never made a commitment to follow him forward, can I extend that to you this morning? I know that we usually do this at the end of the service, but I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says we have to do it at the end. <laughs> so may I just extend it to you this morning? Seriously. Because where I'm going now, if you don't have that, you couldn't come there. Everything is, I'm about to say, if you don't already have that washing, if you're not bathed, he who is bathed already needs no washing. And if you don't have that bathing, would you signify by just raising your hand so we can pray together with you and welcome you into this family so we can together enter in into the present love of Jesus Christ. Anyone? Okay. I see no hand. All right. So we're already born again. So here's what Jesus is saying to us. I'm already born again. But you see, unfortunately, your feet takes you into all kinds of places. You have the spirit of God in you, but your feet is leading you into all kinds of ridiculous things and into all kinds of ridiculous places. It's your feet that takes you to the place where your eyes see the things it's not supposed to see. And then will make your mouth say the things that you're not supposed to speak. So Jesus says that you are washed, you are born again, but your feet need to be washed 
Daily. Daily your feet need to be washed. And this morning, the Lord of glory himself is kneeling before you. Taking your feet into his own hands. And washing your feet. I want you to contemplate Jesus because sometimes when we say these things, we don't get it because it reads as a story. I want you to contemplate Jesus Christ himself. As you wake up in the morning and you say, God, as I'm about to step out, I'm inviting you to come to wash my feet. Because if you're not able to contemplate it, the love you're going to show me will be hunger love. You're going to go to work and try to use your boss. You're going to go to work and your co-worker will be a commodity, will be a tool that you will use to try to get one up or one over. If you're not able to see the Lord himself in the hour of his own need, come to you, abandon his own need, and take your feet in his hands and wash them. Because that's what fills you up. It's, it's the ability to be able to see that that fills you up. You leave that place going, wow, Jesus, who am I? What is man that you're mindful of him? What is the son of man that you will so visit me? Who am I that you will think of me like this? That would descend to the lowest place, the kind of place that ordinary servants are not even supposed to go to. I'm telling you, Jewish servants were not even allowed to do this. Why would Jesus do this? As a roundup, verse 34 of John 13. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. A new commandment I give to you. What makes this new? We've had the commandment of Jesus. He says, on these two commandments, hang all of the law and the prophets. What are the, what are the commandments? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your soul. And what's the other? Love your neighbor as yourself. So those are the laws that he gave us. And he says that on these two, everything else, everything else hangs on these two. This, this, is the, this is the thing that holds everything else together. But in John 13 and verse 34, he says, now, today though, I give you a new commandment. And that's why I call this the future of love. I give you a new commandment. What's the new commandment, Jesus Christ? What's the new commandment? Love one another. How? Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. And it's in doing this that all people would know that we are the disciples of Christ if we have love for one another. That's all I came to tell you this morning.
that Jesus Christ is giving us a new commandment. That he has given us a metaphor in the Bible as to how we must demonstrate love one for another. So how do you wash feet? How do you do this? I love that in, in, in his finest hour, in his most difficult hour, Jesus in trying to demonstrate love to us, we use something like the washing of feet. Why? It doesn't take rocket science to wash feet. That's why he used this as a metaphor for love. You don't have to be a great Bible teacher to wash my feet. All you have to have are hands. Amen? That's all you got to have. What would it take? What would it look like if husbands would wash their feet of their wives? Of their wives? I know what that would look like. The husband will get some. Oh, he was went away. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Brother, goodness got it, but that's okay. You guys were too deep. What would it look like if the wives would wash the feet of their husbands? What would this place look like? If parents would wash the feet of their children. What would our children's generation look like if they see us do this one to another on a daily basis? What would it look like if they begin to wash each other's feet? Amen? What would it look like? What would what I reach out for all nations look like if we begin to wash each other's feet? And please again remember that you cannot do that from a distance. You can't wash my feet from afar off. You've got to engage me. You've got to visit me. You've got to be in my house. That's what that means. You have to know me. You have to know where I live. You, you can't hear that Sammy is acting up. You say, well, you know what? Uh, yeah, well, you know, Pastor Bank will talk to him. You're tolerating me. You don't love me. That's not love. You got to pick up the phone and say, bro, what's going on? Am I hearing right? That's the future of love. That's what it means to wash my feet. What will this place look like if we begin to do so? If it becomes second nature to us. So that the people who walk in here, we're washing their feet without even knowing that we're doing so because that's who we are anyways. What would their experiences be like when they leave this place? I want today to mark a new beginning for us in this place. As we're speaking of a new culture, as we're saying that our culture, the culture of the kingdom, as far as this house is concerned, is love. I want the experience of everyone who enters water ritual for nations when they leave this place to know without a shadow of doubt, oh, those brothers washed my feet. And if we will avail ourselves as such, the opportunities would come. I promise you. If we begin to think like this, you start seeing things that you've never seen before. But you also have to be careful because you can easily go back to where you were. So you hear something about your brother, you pick up the phone, you want to call your sister and talk about it. That's the, that's the history of love. That's the past. 
The future of love is you call your brother and say, what's going on, bro? I'm available. I'll come now. It's 12 midnight, but yes, I'm able to come. When Pastor Ban calls me and says, Sammy, would you please help me go pick somebody up from the airport? You know, it's, for me, it's, it's joyful. I love for him to call me. And I'm asking myself, you know, sometimes it's been at least one time. No, it's been many times, actually. It's, it's, well, let me just say it like this. It's never been the case that I'm coming from the airport that I couldn't call someone to come to pick me up. But as I look in my life, it really be the same persons that I'm having to call. And sometimes it's difficult, you know? It's like you're calling these very same people. I want to have the liberty to be able to call any one of you. I want you all to have the liberty to be able to call any one of us. I not even think about it. How is it that I'm in a place like this? And I, I'm th- do I have to think about who to call? Should I have to? Should you have to? That's the future of love. That's the thing to which God is calling us, each and every one of us. And I'm telling you, as we begin to walk in this, what you're going to find is, for you as an individual, you'll find that Christ will come in you, he will incarnate you, and he will do the washing through you. And as I'm doing this for my brother, the love of God, because now it's the king of glory who is washing his feet, it's not me. It's Christ who is working in me to will and to do his good pleasure. As I'm washing my brother's feet, as I'm humbling myself and seeing Jesus feel me, he comes, makes himself incarnate in me. And as I avail myself to Pastor Marie, God comes, Jesus comes through me and meets her needs. And you know whatever needs she has, Jesus will meet them. He's big enough to meet them. He's good enough to meet them. He's patient enough to meet them as you've seen. He's humble enough to meet them as you've seen. Can we please just get out of the way for Jesus Christ? Can we step away and let him come and do what he has promised us he will do? Because pastor said it, and I'd like to repeat it as I close. The language in this house is sunnish. The culture in this place is uh, the attitude that we have is one of thanksgiving and we operate by faith. As God is calling us to this high place, to this new place, it's not that hard. To wash my feet is not that difficult. Well, it could be. (laughs) Last thing I want to say is this. If you ask biologists, they will tell you. The feet of a man is the least attractive place of the physical body. But I also find something really beautiful about feet. Almost all feet look alike, other than the pigmentation or the color of the skin. You really can't tell us apart by looking, if all you're looking at is our feet. So stop looking at me 
Just help me become all that I can become in Christ Jesus. We want to ask our brothers, ask your sisters, how can I adorn you? Because I'm full. I've taken from Christ. My feet are washed by the glorious king himself. How can I help you be all that you can be in God? How can I help you be better? How can I help you take up the cobwebs? How can I serve you? That's the thing to which God is calling us. Because he makes all things new. So we can follow him. Thank you, Jesus. Please rise to your feet. He made all things new and makes all things new and I will follow you forward. Raise your voice and sing it with me. He makes all things new. He made 